This week's family Bible story is a catechism story, The Water from the Rock, and it is the story selected from the congregation at prayer as we begin three weeks on the sacrament of the altar, the Lord's Supper. So let us begin by highlighting several things from the catechism that will be also amplified in this reading from Exodus 17, the water from the rock. The first thing is the real presence of Christ. Just as he was present there for the children of Israel in the rock in the Old Testament, so also he is present with us in the New Testament church in the Lord's Supper, giving us to eat of his body and to drink of his blood. And so, we have from the Catechism, what is the sacrament of the altar? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. The Lord's Supper is not a symbol that represents Jesus' body and blood, but he is truly absent. No, the Lord's Supper is his true body and blood in, with, and under the bread and wine for us Christians to eat and to drink. It is spiritual food and it is spiritual drink. It satisfies our hunger and it satisfies our thirst with the Lord's forgiveness. The second aspect that we want to highlight from this reading is that proper reception of the Lord's Supper requires repentance and faith. In the Old Testament children of Israel, they so often rebelled against the Lord. He's faithful to his promises to them. He does his saving acts for them. But in order to benefit from them, they were called to contrition and repentance or they would die in the wilderness. The same thing for us. The Lord is faithful to his promises, but he calls us by his word to daily contrition and repentance so that we might receive, in this case, the Lord's Supper, the sacrament, worthily. So we also think about this question regarding the Lord's Supper, who receives this sacrament worthily, Fasting and bodily preparation are certainly fine outward training, but that person is truly worthy and well-prepared who has faith in these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. But anyone who does not believe these words or doubts them is unworthy and unprepared for the words for you require all hearts to believe. So with that as an introduction, let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, by your own words, you have instituted the Lord's Supper, teaching us to believe that it is your true body and blood under the bread and wine for us Christians to eat and to drink. We give thanks to you for this precious gift. Give us true faith in your words that we might receive your body and blood for the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation as you have promised. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So here the account from Exodus chapter 17. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin according to the commandment of the Lord 
and camped in Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. I think it is very important to highlight some background to this story because it's a catechism story that simply jumps right into the narrative of the children of Israel after their exodus from Egypt. So the children of Israel had been in bondage for 400 years. And the promise that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I will bless those who bless you, I will curse him who curses you, in you and in your seed all the nations of the earth would be blessed. It was the promise of the land of Canaan, the promised land in which they would dwell together with the Lord and enjoy the blessings of his salvation. But here they've been in bondage uh, for 400 years. And according to that promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Lord finally, hearing their cries, raises up the prophet Moses. He delivers them from slavery. We think of him as the lawgiver at Mount Sinai, and he is, but he is also a redeemer figure in the image of our coming Lord Jesus, who gave us God's word, but was the redeemer with his own holy precious blood. So after the Lord's judgment was delivered against Pharaoh and the Egyptians through the ten plagues, the Lord redeemed them from slavery through the blood of the Passover lamb. They set out from Egypt in freedom through the wilderness to worship the Lord at Mount Sinai, which the Bible tells us was in the land of Midian. Some people place Mount Sinai in the Sinai Peninsula, and it makes sense from the name Sinai Peninsula, except that was Egyptian territory at that time. And the Bible clearly states that Mount Sinai was in the land of Midian, where Moses had tended the flocks of Jethro, from the time he was 40 years of age till the time he was 80 and called by God at the burning bush to deliver the children of Israel. So Mount Sinai is in the land of Midian and it is on the other side of the Gulf of Aqaba, which is one of the gulfs of the Red Sea. So on their journey toward the wilderness, through the wilderness toward Midian, they turn south abruptly. Uh, into the Sinai Peninsula, and they camped at the Red Sea. 
the Gulf of Aqaba on the Sinai Peninsula. Convinced that they were confused and now trapped in Egyptian territory, Pharaoh's heart was hardened again. He pursues the children of Israel to destroy them. And with the Egyptian army behind them, rock cliffs on either side of them, and then the Red Sea, that Gulf of Aqaba before them, they appeared trapped with no way of escape. Then they cried out to the Lord in despair. And the Lord answered them in Exodus 14 with words of pure gospel, one of the great gospel statements of the Old Testament. They didn't deserve this. They had not earned it. They had not done any works to merit the Lord's salvation. He is acting again according to his promise. And he says to them, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. The Lord will fight for you and you will hold your peace. Though they were filled with doubt and fear, the Lord divided the Red Sea and Moses led the children of Israel to safety through the water on dry ground. The Egyptians then fled into the sea behind them and the waters collapsed around them and they were drowned and Israel received the salvation of the Lord. They celebrated on the other side of the Red Sea uh, in a glorious song of triumph. But not very long after, they would grumble about the hardships on this earthly pilgrimage, as we so often grumble about the hardships on our earthly pilgrimage. After we have been baptized, it doesn't mean that life is easy. They were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, but their life was not easy. So they grumbled and complained during their sojourn in the wilderness, and they complained about food, so the Lord provided manna from heaven every day, and he even provided meat in the quail that he brought in. They feared they would die of thirst, and the Lord provided water from the rock, and that's the scene of this particular reading that we just heard. Despite numerous displays of strife and contention directed against the Lord, which, make no mistake about it, were signs of impenitence, unbelief, doubt, he was faithful to his promise to them. When we are faithless, the Lord remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. That doesn't mean that there's universal salvation, even for those who do not believe in the Lord, not by any means. But it does mean that the Lord's faithfulness to his promises of salvation precede repentance and the reception of that salvation on our part. So we are to see that through the Lord's faithfulness to his promises, that he really is indeed the salvation of sinners, even though we are weak and troubled by sin and by doubt and fear, so that we might be called to repentance and not live in strife and contention against him, but cry out to him for help and then receive his help in his word and in his sacraments in contrite faith. So the children of Israel had no water to drink, they contended with Moses, and they put the Lord to the test. Give us water that we may drink. They accused Moses and the Lord of bringing them out in the wilderness to kill them and their livestock with thirst. That accusation against Moses, which was really an accusation against the Lord, is parallel to the accusation that the devil brought against the Lord in the hearing of Adam and Eve in the garden that God was not loving them, he was depriving them of something that they really needed. 
So this murmuring against the Lord indicates that they were filled with unbelief. They doubted that the Lord would provide for them in spite of the promise that the Lord had made to them. It is so parallel for us in our own earthly life. He's made promises to us, we believe in them, and yet during times of struggle, we have doubts and fears, and we may even at times accuse God of not loving us. So Moses cries out to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They're about to stone me. And the Lord gives Moses a command. He was to stand upon the rock and he was to strike the rock. He was to gather elders of Israel to witness this event and then strike the rock and water would gush forth. And that is indeed what happened. Notice in the narrative how the presence of the Lord is accented. Where it says, for example, go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb. So you see, the Lord promises to be present with Moses there on the rock. And then notice at the end of the reading, he called the name of the place Masa. What does Masa mean? It means tempted because there they put the Lord to the tempt, with, uh, to temptation with the idea, the accusation that he was not faithful to them. They called the place Meribah, which means contention. They fought against Moses and they fought against the Lord, putting the Lord to the test, accusing him of not caring. But look at how it reads. He called the name of the place Masa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? So there we have the emphasis upon the real presence of the Lord in the Old Testament. Is the Lord truly present among us or not? And he is truly present among us, even though they doubted it and accused God of not being present, of abandoning them to their own destruction. So again, Masa means tempted, Meribah, contention, and the test is, is the Lord among us or not? And he demonstrates by the miracle of the water from the rock that he is not only present with them, but the Lord himself, Christ, is the rock. So the Lord was present for them in the water from the rock, not to destroy them, but to save them from their sins of unbelief and rebellion against him. Now, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament gives us some catechesis on this Old Testament narrative. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. An amazing text. It isn't saying that he was um, 
foretelling or it was his presence was prefigured in that rock, but rather that rock was Christ. No wonder throughout the Old Testament and in the Psalter especially, um, the Lord is called the rock of our salvation. I mean, he is literally the rock in this case, out of which the water of life flowed. You know, we can think of Jesus and the woman at the well. If you knew who it was that you were talking to, you would ask of him and he would have given you living water. So the living water of forgiveness and salvation flows forth from Jesus' side. That rock that followed them in the Old Testament was Christ. You can't get a more stunning uh, catechesis on the real presence of Christ in the Old Testament or indeed in all of Scripture than this. Other than the words of Jesus in the sacrament itself, this is my body which is given for you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. Now if you continue reading in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 5, St. Paul says, With most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. The apostle says in the letter to the Hebrews, without faith it is impossible to please him. So, though the Lord was faithful to his promises, though he was there in the rock that gave them drink in the wilderness, he was not pleased with most of them because of their impenitence and unbelief. So here he is present with them for their life and salvation, but they reject him and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Paul says in verse 6, these things became our example to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, nor become idolaters as were some of those. So on the one hand, we have in the reading the Lord's faithfulness to his promises in providing for his unworthy children. On the other hand, we are to see here a very stark warning against impenitence and unbelief, especially so that we receive the Lord's Supper, confessing our sins with broken and contrite heart and hungering and thirsting for Christ's righteousness. It's important to note what Moses was called to do. He was called to strike the rock. And that's very important. It signifies that Jesus, the rock of our salvation, would be struck for us upon the altar of the cross and he would be struck with God's judgment against sin. He would be struck with the punishment that we deserved so that we could be saved from that punishment. And when Jesus was struck, out of his side flowed blood and water the blood and water that paid for our sins, that made atonement for our sins, the blood and water that give us forgiveness of sins, life and salvation. So you think about those words in the sacrament of the altar. What is the benefit of this eating and drinking? These words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins show us that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. So the words of Jesus give us his body and blood, the very body and blood that won forgiveness for us upon the cross. So to eat and to drink of his body and blood in repentant faith is to receive his body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins and the result of that is life, eternal life, salvation from condemnation. 
So the water from the rock teaches us something very vivid about the Lord's Supper. It teaches us that just as the Lord was present with the children of Israel in the Old Testament, so he is truly present with us in the New Testament, giving us to eat of his body and to drink of his blood. So how are we to approach the Lord's body and blood in the Lord's Supper? With repentant faith, confessing our sins, clinging to the promise of salvation in his body and blood, and letting go of the sins of others in the congregation as we kneel together with them. And we're reminded of the promise of the catechism. He is worthy and well-prepared who has faith in these words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Those words for you require all hearts to believe the Lord's promise and in contrition and repentance to receive his body and blood. So central thoughts from this reading. Number one, the Lord kept his promise to provide salvation for the children of Israel, despite their rebellion, impenitence, and unbelief toward him. Number two, Christ was the rock that followed the children of Israel in the wilderness to satisfy their thirst. Number three, as the rock was struck so that water flowed out, so Christ would be struck upon the cross that we might receive salvation through his body and blood in holy baptism and in the Lord's Supper. Number four, impenitence and unbelief reject the benefits of the Lord's Supper. This is one of the reasons why we practice closed communion out of spiritual concern for every communicant. And finally, number five, repentant faith receives the blessing of forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation that Jesus offers us in his true body and blood. So I'd recommend that you study the Catechism, the Sacrament of the Altar, in preparation for this reading and in meditation upon it. I also draw your attention to the Catechism prayer book. There are a total of six prayers on the Sacrament of the Altar. A prayer before receiving the Lord's Supper, thanksgiving for the Sacrament of the Altar, which I prayed at the beginning of our meditation and study on this recording for faith in Jesus' words in the Lord's Supper, a prayer before receiving the Lord's Supper again, for worthy reception of the sacrament of the altar, and then a thanksgiving after receiving the Lord's Supper. With that, let us pray. O Lord Jesus, you are the rock of our salvation. As water flowed out of the rock in the wilderness to satisfy the spiritual thirst of the children of Israel, so teach us to hunger and thirst in repentant faith for your body and blood in the Lord's Supper. Deliver us from every form of rebellion against you and prepare our hearts to receive your body and blood in true faith. In your holy name we pray. Amen.